there is something wrong with the family business that only a few people are getting to know what's happening and running the show and 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 knowing what you know the plan is for the business in the future to open up that dialogue you might be a little bit of a renegade but everybody loves a good renegade that makes a difference does talking about your money make you cringe are you tired of fighting about finances do you want to stop sabotaging your financial happiness then you are in the right place Welcome to Breaking Money Silence, a podcast series aimed at helping all of us talk more openly about money. Your host, Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, is a wealth psychology expert who is doing what she does best, speaking about taboo topics. International speaker, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection, Kathleen understands money and our relationship with it. Over the past decade, she has empowered thousands of people to break money silence at home and at work. Now, here is Kathleen. Today I'm here with Dr. Travis Perry. He's the founder of the Make Time Institute. He and I connected at FinCon 19, which is 2019. It's a conference for podcasters that do personal finance work. And so I was there and uh, we connected. And so I am so excited to have him join the show because in our conversation since that conference, I have learned that he understands families, the psychology of money, and uh, family businesses, and has really been working not only to help family businesses be more productive and talk more openly and honestly about money, but also works with the financial advisors who serve them. So welcome, uh, Travis, to the show. Hey, thanks, Kathleen. I appreciate you. Let me uh, steal some time of yours. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to talk about the myth you have today because it's one that we haven't covered yet. So do you want to let the listeners know what your myth is? Absolutely. Our, our myth is our family business has a succession plan. So what's interesting is it sounds like that's not a myth. So tell me a little bit about why you picked that. You know, that that's great. So uh, there's there's a lot of people that assume, you know, hey, you, I work for a family-owned business. We've got a plan in place. Like, we know what's going to happen. But that's the thing with families. There's a lot of what we call covert rules. And those covert rules are essentially those unspoken things that people assume. They assume that they're going to happen. They assume that it's just going to work out. And having a, a business succession plan in a family-owned business is one of those big misnomers. In fact, there's some um, research in the next five years, 40% of all family business owners surveyed are planning to uh, retire and move their business to the next generation. Of that 40% pie, only half admitted that they have someone even identified, let alone a plan in place to make sure that happens. So that's that's pretty telling. Wow. So that's, that's a I mean, I, part of me is reacting on a personal level. My husband works for a family business, and now I'm wondering if they have a secession plan. <laughs> and the other part of me is saying, well, it makes sense that it would be hard for them to talk about what the plan is, because it's very similar to families talking about estate planning and the idea that one day somebody's no longer going to be there. Do you think that's what trips people up? Yeah, I think a lot of it is just these fa families are so what we call enmeshed. Uh, they're so just there next to each other, really close, working hand in hand, day in, day out, that they assume that these things are in place when they're not. And because they're so enmeshed, they tend not to want to talk about money 
not talk about those things that, you know, they're working for every day, which seems completely illogical, right? Uh, but being in a family business, you almost have this uh, fear of bringing up uh, some of these ideas and questions because uh, what other people might think of you and your status in the business where you might be at or not at as far as succession priority is for your position. And for people who are listening in that uh, don't know or don't understand fully the word a mesh, can you say a little bit about what what that means and how that might show up in a family? Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely a family science term, right? In families, we look at uh, families on how kind of close they are to each other. And enmeshed, you know, a fully enmeshed family is is one where they're so close, there's not many boundaries. Boundaries is a word we all understand. Um, boundaries allow for limits on closeness to topics, physical, you know, um, arrangement, but also the opposite of an enmeshed family is one that is disengaged. So those that don't ever talk to each other about anything. An enmeshed family might be that one that they go to work every day and they see each other. They're the CEO or the, you know, the secretary or they're, they're managing the marketing department or they're an employee and they talk about everything at work. And then after work, you know, they go and do stuff together and they're at each other's house or they're barbecuing in the backyard but they still have their work shirt on. <laughs> they still walk around talking about business all the time. They can't delineate between when personal is personal, when business is business. And it's very difficult because it's all family all the time. Does that make sense? It does. It makes total sense. And so if you're enmeshed and it's all business all the time, then the myth is that or the belief or the assumption is, oh, we've got this covered or we'll always be like this. And so almost a false sense of security, would you say, Travis? Absolutely. Yeah. False sense of security is, is nailing that right on the head. In fact, um, 90% of the wealth in America is owned by family-owned businesses. Um, so 90% of family-owned businesses really have the corner of this wealth, yet only 13% make it to the third generation. So, and I believe a lot of that is because they don't have a plan and they don't have a plan because they don't want to talk about it. And they're, they're afraid to talk, but nobody wants to talk about, you know, certain things that may mess up that plan, you know, like a death or a disability or even divorce um, to, that would cause a whole bunch of messy things happening with the side of the business. But we'll talk about how our business strategies work. We'll talk about how amazing our business is and how great, you know, how much we love each other or hate each other. That's fine. Those are, those are topics that, you know, people don't mind <laughs> even in a mesh family to talk about. And so one of the things that always comes up on this show for me, given my background, is really wondering a little bit about how gender influences or doesn't influence the money myths that are out there. And so with family businesses, when I think that when I even say that term, what pops into my mind is, you know, an older gentleman sitting with his son, you know, passing down the family business or working side by side. And, and I'm wondering is that changing, that image of it being primarily a male-dominated thing to have a family business. Yeah, change is the key word here. Over the last five years, women-owned family businesses have actually increased by 37%. 
So there is a lot of change going on. And to give you a baseline, about one in three right now of, of surveyed, uh, you know, family-owned business, uh, uh, family-owned businesses are owned by and run by a female. So one out of every three is female-owned, and that's increasing by thirty-seven percent in the past five years. Hmm. So it's a very similar trend to kind of what we're seeing in terms of female breadwinners and people who are women who happen to be starting businesses. Uh, and I guess that makes sense because some of these businesses would be family-owned businesses. So we can't say, oh, it's a bunch of men that can't be able. They, you know, they're not talking about these touchy-feely topics, and that's why we're not having a se- secession plan. What it really I is know. is families coming together, no matter what their gender is and and having trouble talking about money and talking about difficult topics such as death and dying or people becoming ill and 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 that whole I think natural cycle of life that for a lot of people becomes challenging to discuss. I would totally agree. Yes. Uh, and you know financial advisors have a hard time bringing some of the messy family things up cuz they're not trained. And it's, it's, it's just messy. It's difficult to talk about. But I think it's actually part of the profession's fault, too, that they are without that training, without that knowledge. And so they're f- afraid sometimes to even push a little bit. Accountants, especially estate planners, like they, they don't receive training in these areas unless they really, really seek it out. So how do you help either a family business or even somebody listening? How can you help them bust this myth or, or at least ask themselves, do we really have a secession plan? Yeah. I mean, that's the first start right there is do we have a plan? And if you don't have a plan, um, the, I really, I love acronyms cause I, I can remember them and then I can teach them and other people hopefully remember them, but I use what's called the family firm process and I use the word firm. Um, so families, family owned business, think of a, a business or a firm. The first one should be that families should have their own goals. The great thing about family owned businesses is they actually are incredibly successful and a lot of times it's because they do work well together. Now, some families just can't work together, and I understand all too well. But a lot of them do work really well together because it's not about uh, just about the almighty dollar. It is about family survival. And that does that goes really well hand in hand with a lot of family science that when families have goals and they're motivated, then the business and the family goals, when those are aligned, it just makes both successful. So that's really step one is identifying what are our business goals and do the family goals line up? Two is, is the I you know, in, in firm, and that's individual systems. I talk a lot about productivity and time management on my website. I, you know, The Make Time Institute is really all about managing time so that you can live your life on purpose, live your goals. Yet, most um, families are, are made up of different types of personalities and individuals with different ways of managing their time. If a culture of a business is such that everybody has their own way of managing time so individually, that makes it very difficult for the family to then work together as a unit in the business. So that I, I, I basically teach them how to um, manage that time together. So a great thing to do together isn't just to you know buy a time management system but to train everyone in the family on that system and do it together as a basically a cultural change 
And then third is relationships. R stands for relationships. How do you communicate? Uh, most families and family-owned businesses, the reason why there's major problems is because of communication or lack of it, as we've just been talking about, some of the assumptions. Um, and so I teach people how to communicate. And it's really all about listening, active listening skills, um, being able to listen and uh, um, reflect and then discuss with others differences of opinions. And then finally, once you have those three things together, then it's all about the M, the money, and how does that money or that business then um, create their business succession plan? Oh, if they have goals and they have a system because they're working together and they already are, are, are communicating very good together, then they can create a plan at that point for the succession of the business. Is that, is that uh, pretty clear? Does that you know, four-step process make some logical sense to you? No, it definitely makes sense to me. And I'm going to zone in where I usually zone in, which is about the relationships and the communication. So if I'm sitting and listening to you or listening to this podcast, and I am in a family business, and I am not the CEO, and maybe it's my dad, or my mom, we'll go against trend to make it mom. And uh, how do I bring up that topic? How do I even raise it if I'm not somebody who is in a management role, but I am you know, an important part of the family. Yeah, I think anytime you're part of the family, family-owned business owner or family-owned businesses, the business owner really likes uh, to admit and will freely state the business is family first. So if you look at a family-owned business, if you are an employee or you're in management or you're in the family, if you're a family member, that's why the business was created. Most family-owned businesses, uh, they want to have a close-knit family. They want to keep them there. And so instead of hey, risking you to go away and start your own business or go to college someplace and never come back and, and, and go to another coast, you know, um, we're going to keep you close. And we're going to do that by, by grooming you for this position and bringing you in regardless of that position, wherever that is in the company. So if you're a family member, I would first say go to the matriarch or the patriarch or whoever it is that is, is running the family-owned business and say, we need to have a family meeting, not just a business meeting, but a family meeting. Family meetings are a wonderful time to talk about all these things. When people don't um, have these kinds of meetings, then, then a lot of the um, discussion that's happening between maybe a small percentage of the family members, hey, we're going to do this family business vacation, and they don't have a say in it, but they take off work and everybody goes, or you have to pay your own way. I mean, it just gets, it gets confusing. It gets muddy. Um, but when there's um, open communication about it, that's where you start. So go straight to the decision maker and say, we'd really you know, like to have a family um, meeting once in a while about what's going on, even if you're not in management. Because um, in a family business, you don't, you, you don't often have to go up through that chain of command necessarily because you're, you're going to see them again at grandpa's house, at grandma's house, or you know, at Christmas or Thanksgiving when everybody gets together, um, when they're going to be talking about business anyway. So that, that's, that's what I would suggest, um, maybe a one-on-one -on -one discussion first about how important it would be to have those, those kinds of meetings. So Travis, I got to play devil's advocate. It might be really intimidating 
to say to your dad or your grandfather, hey, we need to have a family meeting. So what happens if you are too scared to do it or you do it and you get that pushback of, well, we've never done that before. We're not going to do it now. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and, you know, what's interesting is I'll, I'll explain a little bit about my family-owned business experience. I'm a third-generation you know, member of, of a family-owned business, uh, didn't decide to do uh, management or ownership myself. And I can imagine what it must be like if, you know, I was the um, brand new employee of the business, 13 years old. I didn't even know when payday was, right? I'm probably not going to go up to grandpa and say, hey, let's have a family business meeting. As an adult, um, someone who's, you know, maybe has part ownership in the company or on the management team, um, I think, yeah, you're in a closer proximity to, you know, talk to the family business owner. So a lot of that, Kathleen, probably just depends on how big the company is. And you may need to go through those channels um, where, where there's only, you know, four or five employees, you might not need to, right? So it probably depends. But to answer your other question about, um, how to deal with that rejection. I think that's that's the starting point. If you don't say anything, who will? <laughs> you know, there's that quote, um, and I'll probably slaughter it, but it's that if, you know, bad things happen when good people do nothing, right? So if you're thinking about it going, wow, this isn't happening, there is something wrong with the family business that only a few people are getting to know what's happening and running the show and and, and knowing what you know, the plan is for the business in the future, to open up that dialogue, you might be a little bit of a renegade, but everybody loves a good renegade that makes a difference, don't they? Hmm. So the risk, the risk here, I just, I don't see that as we're, we're going to fire you your family. And that is part of the problem. <laughs> yes. Part of the problem is there's some people that should be fired, right? But they don't get fired because they're family. At the same time, the reward could be huge that, hey, we're going to start moving our family owned business into you know discussing these things and talking about them. One of the things you're saying is that it's important to label the elephant in the room. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience um, and and how that informs the work that you do? Yeah, absolutely. And you're so right. Like a huge company like Fidelity, even if you are a family member, like how close are you? You might be writing an email, right? Or you might be sending a formal letter, um, but even just bringing it up. Um, that's how movements start, right? That's how culture changes. So um, you know, for me, when I'm looking at my personal experience, you know, I was the uh, oldest grandson, um, you know, back when uh, this, my father and his father started a plumbing company. I was probably, I think, two or three or something like that. I had no idea what was going on in the world, right? I was just caring about myself and, and mom cared about my survival and this basic human development. But as I got older and I could see the business, like I wore dad's plumbing shirt to school. This is what I wanted to be when I grew up. And then I had four younger brothers, um, be, you know, after me, it's a big family. There was six kids and and mom and dad, dad um, started the business with grandpa, who he actually took his entire life savings and, and left a really good engineering job to start this plumbing company. And it was a drain company, you know, a drain clearing company that they started. And they kind of began specializing in different things and built it. They built it from scratch. 
they don't didn't really know much about business, didn't really take business courses, but just started to to you know treat people well and be honest and and they got referral business like crazy. Well, fast forward 30 years later, um, grandpa and dad now have uh, you know two younger brothers involved in the business. And so now there's four of them. And grandpa is stepping away from the business, keeping, you know, a a small share of the ownership. And the three brothers now own the majority share, like 90% three ways. Really nice math, right? Easy math. Well, I'm 26 years old. I'm a newly minted financial advisor and out there, you know, um, helping people with their money. And now I come back to my dad and my grandpa with a little bit of a different responsibility. I'm outside of the company, but as a professional in the industry, I'm trying to talk the talk with them about money. And what was painful is they would give me very little information. It was, well, we don't want to talk too much about it. So even as now the trained professional graduated college, they still didn't want to talk to me about money. And I thought, wow, this is this is really... Um, difficult. Uh, they're just kind of not wanting me to be a part. Why? Because they're still seeing me as the grandson. Um, I left the business so that I could go to college and and actually help people with their money, to talk about money, to teach them about money and learn about it myself because it was so taboo growing up in my family and in the family business. One of the biggest um, um, covert family, actually was overt. It was one of those, we don't talk about how much anybody else gets paid. <laughs> well, that only works for like a few days, right? I mean, employees <laughs> just talk. It just, it's how it is. Um, but we're going to, we're going to pretend like we're going to keep that rule. So I grew up with all of these, these issues and, and, and wanting to make a difference with money. And I come back to try to help the family and I, I get denied. So I know how that feels. Um, and I wished, I really wished I would have pushed harder because I got kind of denied in, well, we have an accountant. He's helping us. All right. I hope you guys got everything you know, in order. I don't want to rock the boat. I should have rocked it a little bit harder because our world is about to get rocked. My father um, was 49 years old and very good health that we thought. Rode his mountain bike, his road bike, hundreds of miles a week. You know, Just was an outstanding athlete. Had always been um, that way. Um, he passed away very suddenly on his mountain bike ride, very routine mountain bike ride. Um, Yeah. And that was really hard for the family, not just for the family, but now for the family business. And so I find out um, after, as I'm helping mom with picking up the financial pieces and dad did some planning. I was proud of him for doing that. That really saved mom's sanity and really helped us as a family to move on but the family business was not prepared. And I found out from, from grandpa himself that they didn't really have a buy sell agreement in place. There wasn't policies. They they weren't prepared. And that's what it came down to is I was so, I was more upset that I hadn't pushed a little bit as the professional on the outside now of the family business to help them to put that in place. And I dealt with that, that guilt of that for a while. So now I'm out helping other family businesses to be better prepared, not only to make the business succession happen so that their families are happy and things are working the way that they should, but then to prepare for you know the uncertainty of death, disability, divorce, 
um, in case that it doesn't make it, that football doesn't get past um, to the next line for, you know, the, the touchdown in the business succession planning of, of things. So that's a little bit of my story. And I, that's why I kind of am pretty adamant of talking about money. Let's open these conversations. Let's not make it weird. Let's not make it taboo. It sounds like you have lived the myth. Our family business has a secession plan and an unfortunate event happened in your family with the loss of your father and that now you bring that personal to your professional work, um, right. which, I, which I think is touching and wonderful in a great way uh, to heal and to kind of help other families avoid such a painful situation. Um, so in closing today, what would you say the reframe would be? So if the myth is our family business has a secession plan, what's the reality? What's the fact? The reality is one and two don't have a plan. And so the reframe needs to be, I need to find out what our family business succession plan is. And even if you're not part of it, even if um, you might not be the successor, you know, family businesses just need to have these conversations. They need to talk about money. They need to talk about it openly, honestly, um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of hurt that happens when it's not um, expressed openly. Travis, really, it, it comes down to families need to break money silence. They need to bust through that money taboo. And I know today I have been very honored to have this conversation with you and break money silence around secession planning, business ownership, and learning more about you and, and why you do what you do. Thanks for having me on. What's the best way for people to reach you? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you, they can go to my main website. That is www.travisperry.com. Dot com and that's Perry with an A P A R R Y, or they can check me out at www.maketimeinstitute.com, and that breaks down some of of the consulting and coaching that I do for companies. Great. I really appreciate it. So thank you for your time. Uh, For people who are listening in, if you have a question about today's episode, feel free to shoot me an email at kbk at breakingmoneysilence.com. You can also reach out to me on Twitter at KBK Speaks. And my hope is if you've enjoyed the conversation today, uh, that you will listen to more episodes, share them with friends, and certainly subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Uh, This is Kathleen Burns Kingsbury with Travis Perry saying, go out there and break money silence. Thank you for listening to Breaking Money Silence, hosted by Kathleen Burns Kingsbury, a wealth psychology expert, author, and founder of KBK Wealth Connection. If you like what you heard today, be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave a review. Also, share this episode with your friends and family. It is a great way to get the conversation started. For more money talk tips and information or to hire Kathleen to speak at your next event, go to www.breakingmoneysilence.com.